uh, trust me, I think for a typical, I mean, early stage brand with no VC money, etc. It was a huge bet. Uh, we asked him to uh, talk about our manifesto, right, without talking about the brand. So he, he, he didn't even mention Man Company in, in that video. It was a three minute long video, right? So yeah. uh, from all the aspects of, let's say, advertising, it was not meant to be an ad. Uh, but we took that call. I mean, that was our biggest investment, but we took that call. And that video ended up getting 300 million plus views. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Good Show. I'm Malini Agarwal, also known as Miss Malini, co-founder of India's largest creator ecosystem and your host of The Good Show, where I present to you the intricacies of the creator economy and influencer marketing with industry experts amongst brands and creators. And today I welcome Hitesh Tingra, the founder and managing director of The Man Company. As a growth leader, Hitesh has built a name for himself in the last 15 years or so, from leading Let's Buy as a founder to Truly Madly as co-founder and establishing the man company. He understands the consumer market at every level. In addition, he's also accomplished himself as a leader and is super inspiring to all kinds of budding entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Hitesh, for being my guest on The Good Show. Well, thanks for having me uh, here today. Uh, pleasure is all mine. And you know, it just feels like such amazing full circle to come back on the air because I've been a radio jockey for so many years in the past and you know the world has changed and we're all kinds of uh digital age now but this is really where I feel my comfort zone and I really really enjoy having these conversations so I'm super excited to hear a little bit about your journey and you know where it came from so why don't you just take us a little through uh how you ended up at the man company well uh I've been an entrepreneur for almost 15 years now and uh, this is my third venture, uh, third venture as an entrepreneur and uh, probably fifth venture if you include my entrepreneurship uh, days as well. Uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster, right? Uh, I think I've, I've always been kind of attracted by blue ocean opportunities. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm in a habit of identifying the opportunities way before it's time. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it's not. But uh, I think I've done a few venture when I started Let's Buy. Uh, it was all about disrupting the way e-commerce was being done in India. And uh, this was uh, way back in 2008, 2009. And uh, after that, I did a dating app called Truly Madly. And uh, this was- I know, the Truly Madly. We worked together so many years exactly, ago. Exactly, exactly. So this was uh, before Tinder got launched in India. So I think idea there was to kind of launch something which is absolutely safe for women. Um, and to kind of remove the stigma uh, around online dating. Mm -hmm. And uh, same thing happened uh, with Man Company. I think uh, while running Truly Madly, we figured out that uh, men uh, needed a lot of grooming and not just in terms of their looks, but uh, also in terms of how they uh, converse with women, right? How, how they behave uh, in public life. Um, and so the so idea was to create a grooming buddy uh, and uh, launch it as a content platform. Uh, but then I think when we got deeper into it, we figured out that there's a huge opportunity uh, to launch a brand which is exclusively meant for men, right? And uh, which which probably, I think, uh, not just provides for the grooming products, but also the content in terms of uh, uh, their day-to-day -day need, right? Uh, and that's what we've been doing. So I think it's been an interesting journey. Um, we believe that, I think we have been instrumental along with some of our peers, uh, to build men's grooming as a category in last seven years. And uh, we still believe it's just day one. So a lot to be done. I have to say, it's pretty impressive because you started this what, seven years ago, right? 
And, um, you know, I don't know if grooming was top of mind for a lot of guys at that time, you know, so I think you had a lot of education is required. And I know the first phrase of grooming happened when people started using the word metrosexual, that if you're metrosexual, then you do your hair and you use the right uh, grooming products. And, you know, even to this day, people laugh if you say, oh, this guy is going to go get a pedicure. But how do you break that stigma? And, you know, especially for brands that are primarily considered a woman's domain, grooming per se, right? And, um, you know, the jokes are all the homophobic jokes of the world are made if a guy takes care of himself. So how did you break out, out, out of that? No, exactly. Uh, I think that was the pain point, right? And uh, we realized that our biggest challenge is not going to be selling products. Our biggest challenge is going to change this behavior of men and kind of involve them or accept that, yes, I think they are grooming themselves. Um, uh, so what was being uh, done was, I think men, it's not that men started using face wash now, right? I mean, they have been using the face washes and shampoos earlier as well. They've been using their girlfriend's face wash. Exactly. So they've, they've been using their girlfriend's wife, sister's, mother's uh, face wash. And uh, uh, they, they were just not involved in the category, right? And uh, there was a stigma to associate with grooming and skincare, right? Uh, so we realized that that's the biggest challenge that we have to cater to. And uh, we, we started investing a lot in educating men around grooming as well, right? So why is it important to have your own products, right? Because men's skin is very different than women, right? I mean, the overall grooming requirement is very different than uh, uh, what women brands, I mean, brands which cater to women offers. So uh, we started creating a lot of content. Right. Uh, we use a lot of uh, influencers to kind of uh, inculcate uh, uh, this, this notion or kind of uh, fight this notion that it is not okay to use uh, a grooming product if you're a man. So I think there was a lot of awareness, a uh, lot of con uh, through content creation that we invested on early on. And uh, yes, I, I still believe that I think even though I mean, this year we will could be could probably be doing a 200 cr plus revenue but we still believe that i think there's still a lot of stigma and a lot of men uh, who needs to be educated and who needs to be told the importance of grooming and obviously i think it's, it's absolutely okay to use products which are specifically meant for you and and own it right and talk yeah. about it um, absolutely and i think it's so interesting because i'm you know there's been that evolution of women uh, you know, obviously we used to do a lot of waxing and then now using razors and now you have razors for women and all of that narrative. So it's gone both ways. And on this show, actually, The Good Show is really about educating uh, both brands and creators about this ecosystem. So I'm going to ask you a couple of things that apply to both. So one, of course, as a super successful brand yourself, what would you say, especially for a lot of aspiring brands trying to enter this men's grooming space, you know, how do you even begin to tap into a mammoth market like this? It's obviously not as saturated as products that appeal to women. Um, but what are some of those key marketing strategies that you feel really worked for the man company? Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, uh, I, I believe for any D2C brand, right, uh, there are three modes that you need to leverage on. Yeah. Uh, one is brand, second is data, and third is uh, agility in product innovation. Um, I think I, I, I very strongly believe that these three have been pillars of how we have built a man company. Um, I think a brand uh, is very, very important because if you're building a me too brand, right, and just focusing on getting orders, getting sales, but not focusing on writing, writing the bill, I mean, writing the right personality of what you stand for, right, or having the right purpose uh, of, of why you're building the brand. 
um, it's very difficult to associate with the customer at an emotional level, right? Mm-hmm. This is very much required when you're building the category out, uh, right? So if you're selling just another product, uh, it's absolutely okay, right? I mean, you can drive sales on different marketplaces by just spending on discounting or, or uh, ads. Uh, but if you're creating a category, uh, I think investing on the right brand elements become very, very important. What uh, would you say those are? What are the key brand elements? Uh, look, so today, I think uh, uh, if you talk about millennials, right, uh, they don't buy the brand, they buy into the brand, yeah. right? Uh, so it makes a lot more important uh, to be sure of what you stand for, right? Uh, have, a, have a strong purpose. Uh, so for uh, us, for example, I think what we realized was most of the men's grooming brand, right, be it the DOs or the fairness com- uh, companies, uh, uh, which, which were operating like five, seven years back, uh, all of them had a very similar communication, right? So they were focusing on toxic masculinity, right? Uh, the same communication, you apply this and, and yeah. you get a lot of girls running the, after you, right? Uh, yes. Uh, but if you talk to a 25-year-old today, right, he, he doesn't think that way, right? I think the definition of a man has also evolved over a period of time, so right? Uh, and that's what we wanted to kind of focus on. We wanted to be known uh, uh, as a brand who thinks about it, who is connected to the customer, who is talking to millennials in the language that they understand, right? Which is a lot more progressive, uh, which is a lot more inclusive. And uh, which stands for something, right? Uh, whether it means that it offends a lot of people, it's absolutely okay, right? But you have to stand for something. Uh, so we took a very differentiated brand narrative. And I think that's what kind of helps us uh, in resonating with, with our customer, right? And we kind of connected with them at an emotional level, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's, it's been a journey and uh, I still believe we have a long way to go. Uh, but yes, I think very proud of the brand that we built till now. I think you should be very proud. I think it's really exemplary. And I think it's so important. Like you said, there's a lot of toxic masculinity, some ads and not just for male brands. I've seen for, you know, brands that appeal to women telling them that if they become fairer, then they will get the husband of their dreams and become Miss India. So it's horrifying. And, you know, so we've always at Miss Malini always taken a stand that we're not going to support fairness creams. I have to actually, actually ask you this now from the content creator perspective. I find that, of course, there's so many a plethora of women who are in grooming and beauty and fashion and it's very the norm um not as many men not as many men right there are a few and i'm very close friends with quite a few of the male influencers and luxury and and beauty and grooming for men but you know people still cringe at the idea of beauty for men they don't like to use that terminology i would love to know for the male creators out there what does a brand like the man company look for and do you even look at um influencer marketing as part of your strategy is that something that you are uh, you know have been utilizing quite a bit i'd love to know more about that yeah no i think influencer marketing uh, to be honest has been core of whatever we do in marketing right uh, like i mentioned uh, when we started out this brand we knew that uh, there's a lot of stigma attached to grooming and men um, and to break that uh, and to get virality right for the brand uh, we we need to do something and what that means was to create content uh, and to kind of encourage people to share that they are using these products on social media right uh, so I, I still remember uh, the first campaign that we did 
uh, we had all our team members uh, sharing a picture of our product. I mean, using our product and, and right. putting it on Instagram, tagging the brand, right? Yeah. Um, so in 2015, I mean, Instagram had just started, right? I mean, they were still kind of in initial stages uh, in India. Yeah. Uh, so we got hold of a lot of people and these were uh, like models, pilots, um, uh, regional actors, right? Uh, right? So we got hold of a lot of these guys and we shared, I mean, sent them a lot of our products. We requested them to use our products and share their reviews, right? And uh, a lot of them started sharing it um, and not just talking about the product functionality, but I think a lot of them just started showing the product very natively uh, with their content, right? Um, and, and and start tagging us. So that kind of encouraged a lot of our customers, right? Because we, we started reposting that content on our social media. Right, and right. that encouraged a lot of our followers, our users, us to start talking about the brand, the product uh, on Instagram, right? Uh, and I think uh, uh, what we realized, uh, even though that wasn't not an intent, but what we realized was uh, that we were building an aspirational brand. Uh, so especially, I think men in tier two and tier three cities, uh, they want, they started, uh, 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 I mean, sharing a lot of pictures and a lot of videos, right? And when we started talking to them, Ki, why are you doing this? Uh, what we figured out was they they wanted to show off that they own man company, right? right. So man company products. Yeah. Uh, so I think in, in that sense, yes, I think influencer marketing in initial stages uh, was used mainly to create brand awareness, right? And uh, I think over a period of time, obviously the, the requirement and the um, uh, KPIs have evolved. Uh, today, we use a lot of micro-influencers for product awareness, right? So we are launching and uh, we've launched a lot of innovative products uh, for men. Uh, so we use a lot of influencers to create awareness around uh, the usability of those products and why those products are needed, uh, etc. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, uh, I mean, very core to whatever we do uh, at Man Company. And, you know, so I have to ask you these, these very candid questions now because, you know, we have these conversations ad nauseum from the creator side and the brand side. And, you know, I've been on both sides of the fence. So I'd love to know from you, you know, there's this big debate about macro versus micro creators and influencers and their impact. And I know you've done some beautiful campaigns with Aishman Kurana and The Gentleman in You. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about celebrity impact, right? Because everyone knows and aspires to be like their favorite celebrity but does that move product? Do you find a big ROI when you do a celebrity campaign? Or do you find that collaborating with micro influencers has more impact or have you found both equally successful? Uh, well, I think uh, uh, honestly, both uh, I mean, macro and micro have been very, very instrumental in, in defining the brand we are today. Uh, yeah. I think what, what, what is important is, uh, so let's say even when we got macro influencers like Aishman or Bhuvan or, or some of those gentlemen, yeah. I think we were very clear that we are not going to make a typical ad film with them where they are just talking about the product and the functionality, right? Uh, because our customer uh, can see through that, right? I mean, uh, like I mentioned, they are buying into the brand. They are not buying the brand, right? right? So yeah, we, yeah. We, we never wanted Aishman to talk about, let's say, a, a face wash or a, or a yeah. shampoo and talk about what it can do to his skin, right? Right. Um, but uh, I think how we have used most of these macro influencers 
is to communicate brand message, right? What we stand for as a brand. Uh, so even the first campaign that we did with, with Aishman, uh, trust me, I think for a typical, I mean, early stage brand with no VC money, etc. It was a huge bet. Uh, we asked him to uh, talk about our manifesto, right? Without talking about the brand. So he 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 didn't even mention Man Company in, in that video. It was a three minute long video, right? So uh, from all the aspects of, let's say, advertising, it was not meant to be an ad. Uh, but we took that call. I mean, that was our biggest investment, but we took that call. And that video ended up getting 300 million plus views uh, wow. without without us spending a single penny on media, right? Uh, so I think that's the power of content. Uh, 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 and that's what I think we've been doing with the Bhuvan as well. So we know he, he has a very different persona, right? Um, yeah. And people follow him for his comic and uh, humor. Uh, so we have been integrating the product, the brand messages um, with his kind of content, right? So whatever content he's creating, he's trying to kind of integrate uh, the man company. Well, I, I think it's so interesting also. And I love that you're very democratic about and very, you know, you have a great, great expanse and understanding of, you know, uh, prestige, mastige, the whole works. And I find it, you know, because I've been on this creator journey for 14 years. And so often I come across brands that say, oh no, this person doesn't suit our brand because they're down market you know this this tag that certain creators get especially those who were on tiktok i found that you know they were given a dis done a disservice in that sense just because maybe their audience is more massy uh, i understand if you're saying that you know maybe if somebody's content is too crass or it doesn't fit your vibe but i always found it super ironic when a brand is propagating something as terrible as fairness but at the same time saying somebody's too down market for it when the audience that's buying that fairness product is probably that audience but so so do you feel that at man company you've ever had to say okay this is someone who fits the brand profile and i i think Bhuvan is such a great example right because he is a mass audience creator but he is a gentleman to the core uh during the pandemic the things that he has done for people the initiatives he's taken and like you said using his brand of content to create awareness even around you know the lack of oxygen in small areas so I I would love to know how you decide on these because you also have the onus of a positive masculinity on you as a brand yeah no exactly I think uh, uh, what you mentioned and that's what kind of excited us to have Bhuvan on board as a brand investor right um, uh, I think whatever he did during uh, COVID times uh, obviously, I think we we were kind of seeing that, right? So even though, yes, I think it was not an easy decision to uh, have him on, on board because of his content, right? Because uh, I think we also had doubts whether this is, so not just the kind of content that he was doing, but uh, also the target audience, right? He right. caters to more younger audience, like 16 to 25, right? Oh. Um, uh, but yes, I think we, we what we realized was one, uh, we wanted the brand reach to be expanded to that TG, right? So we wanted someone who kind of appeals to that TG. Second, I think whatever Bhuvan did in last couple of years, uh, we knew that he is a gentleman uh, inside out, right? And third, uh, what we realized was the engagement, right? And the following uh, on, on his uh, uh, social media, right? Is, is immense, right? I think people follow him like crazy and, uh, I mean, he doesn't like to be called as an influencer, but uh, right. he's an influencer in real sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and I think he's, he's very, very authentic, right? He is what he is. And I think some of these qualities kind of uh, excited us to collaborate with him. 
it's, it's funny because you would see some of his characters and you wouldn't really think that top of mind grooming when it comes to Bhuvan. So I think it was really interesting um, as a fit. And I think that is very groundbreaking and uh, clutter breaking to, you know, use people like that. But I have to say from a brand perspective, and this is for all the brands listening, you know, there's always someone who's a really clever maverick within the advertising team saying, let's do something new. And very often, you know, the powers that be, you know, just smack you down and say, no, let's do tried and tested. And so what is your advice, you know, as someone who's a founder, a co-founder, how do you encourage that next level of thinking, new age thinking, even within your teams and for other brands that are listening? Because I'm sure there are people sitting and listening saying, I had a great idea like this, but my boss didn't let me do it, you know? Look, so uh, I, I agree. I think it, it, it uh, probably starts from the top. Yeah. And uh, I think the only, I mean, brief that uh, we have for our team and not just in marketing, but overall, uh, uh, is to kind of enjoy whatever they're doing, right? And, and be open to experiments. Uh, obviously, I mean, you try 10 things, eight doesn't work, two work, and, and then obviously you start doing more of two, right? But uh, it's very important to keep trying new stuff. Um, and I think fortunately for us, some of these experiments have worked really well, right? Uh, and whenever we are doing any brand campaign, uh, so internally we have this uh, goosebump test, right? So if, if it gets you goosebump, that means, yes, I think you've created something oh, nice. nice. I um, love that. So, so, so yeah, I think uh, in, in that sense, uh, yes, uh, we've, it's, it's important to kind of have, I mean, imbibe that in your team. And uh, especially for a new age brand, right? Because we are not just disrupting the channel of sales. We are yeah. also disrupting the way brands are being built, right? And if we are not experimental, if we kind of are afraid to take those risks, uh, then no one will, right? Uh, so for, for us as a brand, we believe that I think we are a woke brand. We don't mind saying uh, or probably initiating uncomfortable discussions, right? Uh, and that's, that's, that's been the intent. And uh, uh, to be honest, I think that's what kind of associates well with the uh, target audience that we have as well. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, yeah, it's a sign of the changing times. But now that you mentioned the goosebump test, I have to ask you, what, what is the campaign that has given you goosebumps lately? It could be from the man company or from another brand. I mean, I would love to know. I'm sure people would love to hear what someone who has such a creative bent of mind found goosebumpy as well. Uh, well, uh, I think uh, I, I personally uh, loved our uh, this year Father's Day campaign, right, with Aishman uh, and Piyush Mishra, sir. Uh, uh -huh. I think that was something which was very, very close to heart. Uh, the campaign did exceptionally well. Didn't have, again, the mention of man company or our product placement <laughs> or anything else. Uh, uh, so can't really comment on the sales that it generated. Uh, but I think in terms of content, uh, it was beautifully written, beautifully executed. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of had, uh, uh, I mean, probably scored eight or nine out of 10 on Goosebump uh, front. Oh, that's, uh, that's amazing. And you know, I always say that without the bitter, the sweet isn't as sweet. So I'd love to know, and, and I think all creators, entrepreneurs, founders, all know we've all had our taste of failures or things that we loved and thought would work but didn't and I would love for you uh, to perhaps share with me an experience like that with a campaign or uh, a marketing strategy that you maybe had to pivot because I think that's where a lot of times people get stuck and say but what if I fail but you know that's the only way that you will learn to fly eventually right. Well so many of them uh, <laughs> so I think uh, in last seven years um, uh, like I mentioned, I mean, when you're experimenting, then obviously a lot of things 
that fail as well, right? And uh, it's just that you have to learn from them and make sure that you don't repeat at least the same mistakes, right? I mean, you can uh, make new mistakes, but at least not repeat the uh, same mistakes. Uh, so yeah, I think quite a few of them, very difficult to choose one campaign. Uh, but yes, I think every year we do like three or four campaigns. Uh, one is probably a blockbuster and rest two, three are kind of average, right? So, okay. um, so I wouldn't really term them as absolute failure because uh, I think as a brand, we believe in investing in right content. Uh, honestly, we don't invest much on media. Yeah. Uh, 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 we, we like content to go viral and, and uh, kind of, uh, work on its own. Uh, so, so yeah, so I mean, very difficult to pinpoint one campaign, but a lot no, of pain. Fair enough. And you know what, what I'd love to know, and I think this is where people who are entering this digital uh, influencer space struggle a little bit with this concept of what is my ROI, my return on investment. And, you know, have you found that your ROI is that immediately a campaign does well or a video goes viral and you start selling product? For example, how does something like the Aishman um, video work when it doesn't even mention the brand, right? So how do you get, do you measure that ROI? Uh well, for the from the brand campaigns, I think the objective is uh, uh, very different, uh, right? So even though we have tried adding those uh, discount codes, etc., to see, I mean, if we can track the direct conversions, uh, it doesn't happen, right? Sure. So uh, I think uh, how we use influencers to drive sales is uh, will probably have the videos, like I think what we shot with Bhuvan or even with a lot of micro influencers, uh, will have a tactical video. And then we uh, use those videos to run ads on Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, right? Uh, so those ads uh, with, with a very strong super call to action uh, ends up driving good sales, right? And generally, if you have a well-known influencer or a seller, uh, your conversion rates or click-through rates are higher. All right. right. Um, so we do that. But uh, just by posting or doing a brand campaign, like what we did with Father's Day or what we did with Aishman, right? Even despite of... Uh, having 300 million views, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think we had a rocket. I mean, uh, I mean, rocket uh, sales or something like that, right? I mean, uh, it was okay. I think it worked really well for the brand. Uh, we got very well acceptance uh, in the offline market as well. So when we were getting into offline distribution, generally for a new brand, I mean, retailers, etc., they accept uh, huge credit lines, etc., right? Uh, but we were very clear that we want to work on advance. Right. And just because I think brand was well known, uh, we ended up working in the offline channel on advance. Right. So, I mean, these are some of the things. Yeah. Uh, so, so we know that, for example, last three months, we have spent zero money on uh, tactical marketing. Right. So no acquisition performance marketing. Right. But still, it's not that revenues have declined or kind of stagnated. Right. I mean, we have still uh, grew almost 20 uh, percent last quarter. So, so, I mean, that shows the power of brand, right? So it's more long-term yeah. uh, uh, instead of, I think, just investing on performance marketing. I love it. I think aside from the gentleman's code, you should write a whole book on how to strategically amplify your brand and how ROI should be measured in more ways than just uh, the direct sales. I think this is something that both creators and the brand economy will really benefit from. I know you guys have your own podcast as well, right? The Gentleman Show. So tell us a little bit about that. We're big fans of podcasts, so we'd love to give it a shout out. Well, I think uh, uh, it was an interesting project. Uh, I, it started with an interesting discussion uh, last year, right? Uh, when we were thinking of uh, uh, doing something on International Men's Day. 
um, I think we we realized that uh, there were very few podcasts or let's say content even on YouTube or social media which were talking directly to men, right? I mean, there were a lot of lot of videos around how to build six packs, right, or how to lose weight, right? Yes. Uh, but I think there are a lot of uncomfortable topics that uh, people don't even want to talk about, sure. right? Um, so, so we, I think the idea started from there, right? So we wanted to kind of launch it uh, as, a, as a podcast that kind of talked to men and is for men, right? And, and kind of talks about the uncomfortable talk, topics and try to kind of bring those topics uh, to mainstream, right? So topics like makeup for men, right? So there's so much stigma attached to it, right? So, uh, or let's say, uh, the vulnerability, right? Uh, uh, I mean, even as an entrepreneur, right? So everyone kind of looks at your success, right? How many millions have you raised and uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. This but is your time know. to admit, Hitesh, that you have cried in the boardroom. I have cried in the boardroom and it's okay if you have to. Everyone has, right? I mean, it's, 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 and it's absolutely fine, right? Because that's, that's I mean, those are some of the learnings. Uh, no one really talks about those down times, right? I mean, and you go through so many lows. Uh, so I think this podcast is talking about, I mean, touching upon a lot of those topics, right? Uh, or even the alternate career, right? I mean, for us, uh, I'm sure, and hats off to you, I think uh, uh, you you chose an uh, alternative career and, and especially I think uh, uh, you have been, uh, obviously, I think one of the few content creators in the country. Um, but I mean, a lot of uh, people in our age group were not comfortable leaving their jobs, right? Uh, uh, and just, they were looking at the opportunity cost. But today, I think it has become very normal to kind of choose an alternate uh, career, be it an influencer, be it a content creator or something else. Um, so, so yeah, so I think with this podcast, that's what the objective uh, is. I mean, we want to kind of uh, bring some of these topics uh, to mainstream and initiate discussions around it. How amazing. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I was actually reading um, on, uh, I think, Sonali Chopra's Instagram. It was interesting. She said that, that we are, for instance, the first women of our generation that are uh, able to have the right to control what we do with our bodies, whether to have children, whether not to have children. And it's such a powerful thought. And I think that men are also now regaining the ability to make choices and be vulnerable and show emotion, which was something that, you know, we don't talk about enough, but they're just not given that option. And I think that positive masculinity is so important and I think that we already know so many great men but unfortunately what gets highlighted is all the toxic masculinity and sometimes that becomes the narrative uh this has been so wonderful Hitesh I really appreciate your time I would really love to leave you with one question which I think everyone would love uh to know the answer to if you were starting the man company today from scratch right what would you do differently since the environment has changed this the whole digital revolution there is competition this market exists what would you do differently we'll probably not have the name the man company because i think <laughs> uh, 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 today i think if you ask a 20 year old guy he's all about uh, gender neutrality right so to probably have a gender neutral brand name uh, uh, but yes, I think it is, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I don't think I'll, I'll change uh, a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, I think we've, we've realized that uh, it's, I mean, building it slowly has a lot more fun. Um, and that's what we are doing. So we are building it for long term. Uh, we are building it slowly. But uh, yeah, we are enjoying each and every day. I love it. That, that was definitely my goosebump moment. I think the narratives are changing and I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm a big 
fan and supporter of your brand, the way you do your messaging, your graphics, the communication, big fan of the positive masculinity uh, and not going down the, you know, spray yourself with something and the women come flocking. And I, I'm, I'm a real, re really, really appreciative of the fact that you took the hard, long road of doing good content to uh, tell you so story. Much. So thank you so much for joining us today. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this. If you have questions for Hitesh, please do drop them in the comments. We'd really, really appreciate that. Um, and also would love to know your thoughts on who we should invite to be a guest on this show. And make sure you tag us and leave us your comments. And it's been really, really delightful. Um, final word, Hitesh, from you, a message to all the content creators who are aspiring to become, um, you know, ambassadors for the man company. Well, uh, be real, be authentic. I think that's what uh, brands are looking for uh, in their influencers or brand investors. Um, and uh, I'm sure I think that's what audience is looking for. Uh, so yeah, so and then uh, trust me, I think uh, no D2C brand would be in a place where we are today without uh, you guys. So just, just keep at it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hitesh. And I look forward to seeing the Woman company come together <laughs> eventually. Thanks sure. everyone yeah. for listening. Thanks. Thanks so much.